Greetings. Welcome to today's meeting of Fernando, a member of Alcoholic Anonymous and in recovery. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So be it. Amen. Today's daily reflection for January the 9th, an act of providence. It is truly awful to admit that, glass in hand, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 21. My act of providence, a manifestation of divine care and direction, came as I experienced the total bankruptcy of active alcoholism. Everything meaningful in my life was gone. I telephoned Alcoholic Anonymous, and from that instant, my life has never been the same. When I reflect on that very special moment, <clears throat> I know that God was working in my life long before I was able to acknowledge and accept spiritual concept. The glass was put down through this one act of providence, and my journey into sobriety began. My life continued to unfold with divine care and direction. Step one, in which I admitted I was powerless over alcohol, that my life had become unmanageable, takes on more meaning for me one day at a time in the life-saving, life-giving fellowship of Alcoholic Anonymous. Amen. We're going to take a quick intermission while I go grab a story from the grapevine. I'll be right back. All right, all right, I'm back again. I picked up a story I prayed. It's, this one is from the August 2014. Huh, it's got a special section here, Hispanics and AA. Also, A Wonderful Life and Truck Stop Angels and the Double Life of Poala. She had to hide her drinking or else. Interesting, huh? I'm going to read all those articles to you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. The first story I turn to is uh, our personal stories. It's called Sofa Sweet Sofa. From, um, sent to us from Paula C. from Houston, Texas. Thank you, Paula. Let's go ahead and say the third step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. I'm not a people person. I play one at work, but that's not really me. At the end of my drinking career, I would just sit on the sofa and drink until I passed out. I used to go out and drink with people from work, but then stop after scary encounters driving home and many mornings wondering where my car was in the driveway. It was easier and cheaper to just drink on the sofa. The summer before I got sober, I didn't see anybody much but my husband. 
If I had known that at my first AA meeting, everyone was going to come up and talk to me, I wouldn't have gone. I've been hiding for a long time so no one would find out that the weight of my secret was becoming intolerable. But I instantly loved the meetings. I didn't need to pretend to be someone I wasn't. As I went to more and more, the message got through that I needed to hook into the fellowship. After a couple of weeks of not drinking, I welcomed those meetings. I love that one of my meetings was just for women. I had generally preferred the company of men, and I never really had a women friend. So this was new and very interesting. I was given a lot of phone numbers and was encouraged to call them, but this was way too much. What would I say? What would we talk about? Before I made my first call, I wrote down the topics I would bring up. My calls didn't go that way. I thought they would. But like lots of things in AA, they went much better than I had planned. <clears throat> the women suggested that I get a sponsor, but that was not going to happen. I had a big book I could read. The steps looked interesting, and there was stuff about them in the big book and in the 12 and 12. I could do that on my own. How it works was read before every meeting, but rigorous one-on-one, -on -one, up close, and personal honesty was just too much for me. I started on the steps by myself and got pretty easily through one and two, but I just couldn't do step three. And by that time, it had sunk in that in that those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not give themselves to this simple program. I got into honesty part, and that was a refreshing change for me from the lives of my past. However, I knew I really couldn't now turn my life over to anyone, much less God, to ask for help was out of the question. I didn't realize at the time that... That was a big part of my problem. Then I got into some trouble at work, and I didn't know what to do. For, but for the first time, I saw that AA gave me an option to talk to someone about it. I went to a meeting, and the woman who led it made wonderful sense to me. She was classy and smart and seemed to be everything I thought I wasn't. To the woman who need, used to spend each night getting loaded on the sofa, it was unthinkable to ask this classy lady to spend her time helping me, but to the woman who now spends nights in AA meetings, it seems possible. It was one of the hardest things I ever did, but after the meeting, I asked her to be my sponsor. That was much easier than asking her for to help me. She said yes, and it was done. I couldn't take it back, but somehow I was curiously relieved. I know now that was the turning point in my recovery. Not only was my sponsor more than I had expected, but the relationship changed me in ways I never could imagine. For me, that one reaction turned everything around. I quit fighting. I hadn't intended it, but I actually turned my will and my life over to a higher power, AA and the stranger who had greeted to help me. I listened to a lot of speaker tapes, and in one of my favorite ones, a guy is asked, what the difference is between people who get sober and those who don't. His answer, those who make it do things they don't think are going to work. That was so true for me. At first, I didn't believe I had a problem. I just drank too much. Then I decided not to do the 90 meetings in 90 days because I had other things to do that were more important. And why should I call people? I also didn't need a sponsor because basically I knew it all. And I believed I could do the steps by myself. <clears throat> Yet, I got stuck on every one that requires giving up our own ways and our old ideas. 
So my program went nowhere until I started doing the things I didn't think I needed to do. The rest came pretty easily after that. I began to let others teach me, and I learned from the experience of people in the program who had made the same mistake I had. I started staying after meetings to talk to people. That was hard. I volunteered in AA, led meetings, made coffee, and started to sponsor newcomers. I learned how to scuba dive and went on trips with my new friends in the program. I reconnected with old friends, people who were real friends before my drinking got ugly. Now I, I go camping and do things with them too. I built new relationship with my family. I started running, riding a bike, and getting in shape. I even rode with friends by bicycle from Houston to Austin in two days. <clears throat> I never dreamed I could do that. Today my life is rich and full, and I almost never sit on the sofa anymore. I read an article about lab rats, race, and solitary conditions that were offered drugs. The rats kept pressing the lever for more and more of the drug, even though it was killing them. The researcher said that when they enriched their environment, gave them access to sweets, and let them play with other rats, they stopped pressing the lever. That was me. I isolated myself with a few options and no real life. I fell deeper and deeper into drinking. AA put people in my life and provided me with experience and tools. All I needed to do was pick them up. It's been over 26 years of continuous sobriety since I walked into that first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. So many wonderful things and fabulous people have been in my life since then. Today, I have lots of options, many skills and successes that show me I can tackle hard things. I also have people to encourage me to help me when I am baffled. It's still hard for me to call people for no reason or to arrive 10 minutes early before a meeting to chat with people, but I keep coming back. Wow. Policy. <clears throat> Policy from Houston, Texas. Amen. And here's a discussion topic. Thank you, Paula. Beautiful, wonderful. I really like the part where Paula says, you know, I got the bicycle, I got the running and exercising and hiking and stuff. You know, I, someone in the program gave me a beautiful bike that I loved and I snapped the chain on it. And I try to order the chain here and there and I just couldn't figure out the size. I just, I have just lost all my mechanical skills from being in so many meetings for so many years. So I said, well, I'll take it to the shop. I went to the shop and I didn't want to pay the big money, folks. I didn't want to pay the 30 bucks to put on a chain. I can do it myself. I can get the chain for $9 at Amazon or thing. Well, I was just so busy making so many meetings, 10, 15 meetings a week. And the desire to keep doing that and not sleeping properly. So I gave the bike back to the guy because he fixes bikes and he gives them to homeless people. And he sent me a picture of the person he gave my bike to. Yeah, you know, two bikes. Someone, you know, I gave him two bikes. He had given me one. Then I gave him that one back plus another one for him to fix up and give to the homeless. And I looked at the picture of the people that received the homeless. And you can see in their faces that they're going to sell the bikes. You can see that, huh, I'm going to get over on this one, this one. They, and I thought, oh, man, I should have kept that bike. <laughs> you know? Um, so now I'm praying for another bike, this time with a stronger chain. Maybe even a new one, huh? So I can get out there and do those things Paula did. Amen. Okay, Fernando Alcoholic.
I just wanted to say something that's been going. I got up this morning. I heard a speaker, actually a good friend of mine, speak on Friday uh, at the park. And he said that his desire for drinking went away when he made amends to his brother. Isn't that interesting? The uh, phenomenon of craving said left him when he did an amends that he owed some money to his brother and he paid him. What a wonderful, wonderful statement. I just can't seem to get that out of my head. You know, um, one of my sisters said, I never dreamed that you were going to pay me that bond money she put up for me, she said. I felt really good. Now, I, another sister, I still owe her one, and she's the the rich one, that every time I try to give her something, she just turns around and triples it back at me. But uh, I just don't feel in my spirit that she gave me a gift. I really do. And the other one, I feel spiritually good that I gave, I paid it. Anyway, that's just a little added added portion there. Uh, one way to do it is see yourself doing it. Pray for 45 days for that person. Sometimes praying for them ahead of time and very focused and concentrated will help us overcome any situation. You know, it's melted. It's like water when we come to it. It just, it right side up. Hatred, mowing money, situations. Let's pray for our enemies, you know. Just get in the habit of always saying, hey, God bless my enemies. God bless them with happiness. God bless them with health and prosperity. And guess what you're going to get? Guess what we're going to get? Guess what we're going to receive? We're going to see uh, health, happiness, and prosperity. We're going to get back what we dished out, folks. Amen. All right. I'm going to read a story here called A Wonderful Life. Because I didn't want to leave you hanging. I mentioned it. And then I'm going to leave you. It got my attention. A Wonderful Life. That's on old timers. A 74. At 74, a California old timer expresses gratitude for his 53 years in AA. And this one comes to him from Arcata, California. I haven't heard of that. A-R-C-A-T-A, -A -A, California. Arcata. Okay, let's go there. I'll read that. And then we'll go to listen to our King Solomon for his Proverbs for the day. A Wonderful Life. When I was five, my mother and sister and I moved from Hollywood to Sierra Madre to live with my grandparents. It was 1943. My father had had a mental breakdown and started hiding food on the hills. He walked all the way to Arkansas and ended up in the state mental hospital. Later, he became the supervisor of the alcoholism treatment program there before he died of alcoholism. With all the knowledge he had of recovery, he could not take the first step himself. Mom was another story. She drank daily at a local bar where she met a cartoonist who later became my stepfather. In 1943, they moved to Hollywood so he could be closer to the studio where he worked. Every night, he had to walk down Hollywood Boulevard and go to bar to bar to find mom. He didn't know what to do about her drinking, so he talked to a co-worker who was an AA who told him to take her to a meeting, and so he did. There weren't many women in the meeting, but she sobered up September of 1944. 
Immediately enthused with the idea of helping drunk, mom started a sort of detox facility in our house in San Gabriel. Our home was filled with drunks. I saw people go into DTs and have seizures. I helped by feeding them syrup and milk, orange juice and sugar, which were standard folk remedies for detoxification at that time. Mom then started an AA group in the Women's Club in San Gabriel in 1945. She was 35 at the time. My stepfather served as group treasurer because he was not an alcoholic and many AA members ran away with the treasurer to get drunk. I went to the meeting every week with them. That's where I learned to do service in AA at age seven. I just wanted to belong and have somebody love me. I put out the ashtrays, helped serve cake, and helped coffee, held coffee cups for those who were shaking. Everyone was nice to me, and I got a lot of attention. Being exposed to AA during those early years set up a bunch of core values that I could never erase, no matter how hard I fought them. In the fourth and fifth grades, I was sent to a Catholic boarding school. It was, I, it was lonely and difficult. It, I was left-handed and had dyslexia, but, I, but it went undiagnosed, and most people just thought I was stupid, lazy, or defiant. And I didn't have many visitors. In 1950, we moved to a little town called Fogs, Fawn Skin, located across the lake from Big Bear, California. It was here that I met my first girlfriend. Woohoo! A week before school got out, my mother and stepfather moved away and placed me with some friends for the last week of school. When I left Fonskin to go join my parents, I looked out the bus window and heard my girlfriend say to her friend, Look, he's crying. That was the last time I cried until years later when I buried a dog with my 18-year-old son who said, My God, Dad, I didn't know you had tears. I eventually attended ten, 10 different schools before I quit Laguna Beach High School in the 10th grade in 1955. That's when I started drinking in earnest. I got to know many of mom's AA friends. A man named Chuck C. lived next to the high school. He helped me a lot when I was 15. My stepfather ran off to Mexico with mom's best friend, leaving me with a sober, raging alcoholic. With Chuck's kindness and wisdom, I acquired tools to deal with her and with my own pain. Change was a big one, along with trust, acceptance, forgiveness, and letting God help me. Chuck told me I had the power to choose the path I wanted to travel in life. His gifts still showing up in my life. His gifts. At 16, I left home with $50 in my pocket. I got a job tending horses at a camp for boys and girls near Hemet. My cousin worked on a ranch nearby, and we drank every chance we got. After a year, I joined the Navy, and my drinking increased markedly. I went to the Far East, served on a destroyer, and spent some time in the Indian Ocean. For my last six months in the Navy, I was stationed in Long Beach and continued my heavy drinking. I was a blackout drinker, and I lost my car more than once getting back to the ship. I was discharged from the service in August of 1959, and my drinking got worse until my grandfather's funeral that December 24. That was the date of my last drink. While riding in the cordage, I heard his voice say, You don't need to do this. So at 21, I walked into an AA meeting at the Women's Club in San Marino for myself. 
My first sponsor was Jim R., a member of the South Pasadena group. He was in his 50s, as were most of the people in AA at that time. Jim took me through the steps. I didn't really have many peers my age in AA, but I, want, I went to lots of meetings knowing that my sobriety depended on it. We did a lot of 12-step calls in those days. We would get a call from a man in a motel and visit him. A group of us would take four-hour shifts with him for several days to get him over the shakes and make sure he was in shape to attend a meeting. I learned so much from those older AA guys. I got married in 1962 and had a son, now a law enforcement officer and a daughter whom I am very close to. Their mother and I got divorced after 24 years of marriage, and it was a rocky one. For many years, we could not be in the same room together or share family events. One of the great things AA gave me was a willingness to forgive. Um, one of my early sponsors gave me a real gift when I was telling him about this mess. He said, Michael, forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. <laughs> Did you hear that? Forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. What a beautiful, beautiful way. And he added, what you're holding on to has nothing to do with your ex-wife, but with your fear of abandonment of being alone. Wow. It took a long time to work that out and come to understanding how deep that went inside. It wasn't her leaving me that I was afraid of. It was myself leaving me. The tools of AA and support and love from members kept me sober. I had a number of careers. I've been a diesel mechanic and an insurance and finance manager, and I ran a construction supply business for 27 years until they went bankrupt. Again, thanks to AA, another gift was given to me, the art of letting go. I've been remarried for 18 years now and helped my wife with her bookkeeping business. We both share the wonders of this life the program has given us. In the early days of AA, members were given a lap, lapel pin signifying the length of their sobriety. I was at a meeting with my mother in West Hollywood when she gave me her pin. Later, I had a gold ring made out of it. She was a tough lady, and we were not very close. When she was 73 years old, I moved her into a mobile home I had on my property just before I quit drinking. I lived with her in Laguna Beach. When I would come home drunk, she would just look at me and smile. It really pissed me off because I knew what she was thinking. With all the years she had in AA, Mom knew there was nothing she could do about my drinking. Unfortunately, after 20 years of sobriety, mom stopped going to meetings and lost touch with her higher power. She returned to drinking and got a drunk driving ticket. Over the last years of her life, all I could do for her was smile and pick up the empty liquor bottles that she tried to hide from me and, and opened my heart to the early days when she taught me about this program. That has been giving me 53 years of sobriety and the knowledge that I don't have to follow the last part of her life. I still attend four or five meetings a week. I sponsor a few guys and speak at jails and detoxes. It gives me great joy to hear the newcomers and watch them get sober. I've gone through a lot in, the life, in life being in this wonderful program. What I want out of AA, I have to be to that degree. If I want love, I have to love. If I want peace, I have to be peaceful. If I want serenity, I have to practice it. What AA has to offer is up to me to pass on. I am forever grateful. 
When I joined AA in 1959, I was 21, and there was not a lot of young people in the program. Last year, at one of my meetings, I was talking to a young man who had just gotten back from an all-California Young People's AA, A-C-Y-P-A-A, Convention in Ontario, Canada. He told me I should go to our Eureka Young People's Meeting because I got sober when I was 21. I thought about it for a few months until one Monday night I decided to go. An 18-year-old girl there sure that when she went to her first AA meeting, the people in the room were all old, around 40. I said to myself, what am I doing here? I'm 74. But I knew how she felt. The girl's words made me realize there was a part of me that was missing. Now, my home group and the young people's meeting, sometimes they call me and ask me questions. A young people's committee nearby will be hosting a ACYPAA Young People's Roundup next year, and I plan to become an active on that community. Isn't that the spirit of young people anyway? This journey has been amazing. I look forward each passing day in wonderment of what will come next. Mike A. from Arcata, California. And it says right here, send us your old timer story at aagrapevine.org forward slash share. That was beautiful, wonderful story. All right. We're right on time. We're doing good. Please thank you for hanging on me. It was a long one today. For an alcoholic, I live in San Gabriel. I, uh, I live in all, all these places except for Arcadia. Maybe they mean Arcadia. I mean, it's a misprint. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, read King Solomon's story for today. What he has for us. Let me go ahead and, and open the door. There's the bell. King Solomon, please give us your Proverbs for today. This is my sponsor, King Solomon. The way of wisdom, kid. Wisdom has built her house. She has honed out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has furnished her table. Wisdom has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live. And go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gives shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instructions to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you will bear it alone. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by who go straight in their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. And as for me, as for him who lacks understanding, excuse me, 
She says to him, Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know what the dead are there, that her guests go into the depths of hell. Amen. I apologize for my haphazardness. I was thinking that uh, this kind of uh, freelance writing, <laughs> if you will, it would probably be more explained to us through the message or the, because we're in the program, okay? So, and it's a little bit loose, the message translation or the passion translation for us. It says, Lady Wisdom has built and furnished her home. It's supported by seven home timbers. This is the message Bible. The, the last one I read was the New King James. Lady Wisdom has built and furnished her home. It's supported by seven home timbers. The banquet meal is ready to serve. Lamb roasted, wine poured out, table set with silver and flowers. Having dismissed her serving maids, Lady Wisdom goes to town, stands in the promising place, and invites everyone within the sound of her voice. Are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on? Come with me. Oh, come have dinner with me. I prepared a wonderful spread, fresh baked bread, roast lamb, carefully selected wines. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. If you reason with an arrogant cynic, you'll get slapped in the face, confront bad behavior, and get a kick in the shins. Okay, it looks like it shifts from one thought pattern to another. But let me go back. I prepared a wonderful spread fresh. So this tells me that we eat spiritual food. Before I read this, I was thinking that stories were pretty long. I read two stories of the grapevine. I am being long-winded today. But then, you know, what came to my mind is some of you need a lot of food today. You know, you got a big week coming ahead of you. You haven't been doing meetings you may be in the hospital or something. You need a lot of food today. And I thought about you. So when Lady Wisdom comes around, or Wisdom, it gives us a dinner. It prepares wonderful spread baked bread, roast lamb, carefully selected spiritual wines. We are drinking and eating and feasting and enjoying life in the house of God right now, folks. By these stories, by these words, uh, if no one told you they love you, I love you. I care for you. I pray that you get on and get moving and get with it. Let the words be carriers, as Bill W. says, take us to a greater, more wonderful place. Let's get excited, guys. Get excited about life. We're here to experience good, pleasant pleasures, folks. The experience of having wine with your food was a pleasant, it's like, you know, it was a pleasant experience, like mouthwash when you go to sleep, just cleans your mouth pretty good. But you don't drink your mouthwash like we drank the whole bottle and let no one else have it in the dinner table. And then use the bottle to hit our host over the head with. If you reason with an arrogant cynic, you'll get slapped in the face, confront bad behavior and get kicked in the chin. Don't waste your time on a scoffer and you'll get, all you get, your pains is abuse or your pains. But if you correct those who care about life, that's different. They'll love you for it. Save your breath for the wise. They'll be wiser for it. 
Tell good people what you know. They'll profit from it. Skilled living gets its start on the fear of God. Insight into life from knowing a holy God. The bottom line, guys, is that wisdom belongs to God. We're created from a God, and he requires us that he's the one who gives us wisdom, understanding, love, and strength, and the power to do right. Skilled living gets a start in the fear of God. Insight into life from knowing a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is God Almighty. It's through me, Lady Wisdom, that your life depends and the years of your life ripen. Live wisely and wisdom will permeate your life. Mock life and life will mock you. Amen. Remember, beer is a brawler. Strong drink is a mocker. And those who are led astray are not wise. And that's a nice way to say they're stupid. They're foolish. You know, when they mock people, mock life, mock, mock everything that, that they, they don't even do any work. And they mock the things that don't, they don't even have anything to do with them. They're stuck. So if you're one of the mockers and you're complaining, criticizing, condemning, uh, causing trouble, causing people to argue in meetings and pinning people against each other and gossiping, you're one of those mockers, then start thanking God that you're a mocker. There's nothing you can do about it. It's a, it's a, it's a snake or it's a tree and it's indebted in there pretty good. Only God can take it out. And the way you do it is you start thanking him that you're a mocker. Thanking him that your life is just as it is. And continue at it. At least you have enough sense to, to, to do it and to see the results. Keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. You're going to fail a lot, but keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. Then the tree will be pulled out. The snake will be grabbed by its throat and pulled out of your system. That devil that wants to destroy, kill. It's, it might be the, the leftovers of drinking alcohol. Spirit is still in there. Unsettling spirit. Thank God for, they call it necio in Spanish. Necio, you know, it's just like uh, unsettling spirit, just always needing something. Then there's this other woman, Madam Prostitute. Uh-oh. Brazen, brazen, empty-headed, frivolous. She sits on the front of a porch in her house on the main street. Okay, this is alcohol. This is portraying the spirit of alcohol. When I drank, all I wanted was the broad and the booze, and that's all that mattered, right? Then there's this other woman, Madam Prostitute, brazen, empty-headed, frivolous. She sits on the front porch of her house on Main Street, and as people walk by minding their own business, calls out, are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on. That's what the booze tells us, what's going on. Steal off with me. I'll show you a good time. I'll show you how to put things into perspective. It's an illusion. No one will ever know, she says. I'll give you the time of your life. But they don't know about all the skeletons in her closet that all her gifts end up in hell. Now that's the way to hell because you're shunning God out. And, and looking to the booze, because I was looking to the booze for my higher power. And God had no recourse but just to get out of the way and let the devil start tearing me up, tearing my life up.
Thank you, God, that I called and he helped me. All right, guys, let's go ahead and pray out. Thank you so much. I'm being long-winded today. Let's go with the seven-step prayer, please. My creator, I am now willing that he should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go out from here to your bidding. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working.